Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire podcast. I'm on with Bill again. Um, finally returned to the Redwall series. Um, Redwall first book. Um, we'll try to hit chapters 11 through 15. Have Bill on again. And... Um, Bill? Yeah, I... Uh... As far as Redwall is concerned, I've not read the this book yet. I've read Martin the Warrior, and that's about it. And it's been a while since I've read that. He's have, read however, like part watched... of this one in like the audiobook form because I was had it on playing in the vicinity. Uh... I've also watched the all the whole animated series of Redwall, so I'm familiar with it through that. And he's very familiar with the. Uh... You know, biology of various, you know, British wildlife. They're the real animal. Yeah, I, I, I'm a wildlife enthusiast, so that's something. And so we start off with, um, last episode, I talked about how they'd sent Ambrose out to go, um, warn the various woodland creatures of the impending Clooney threat, and they, they could come to Redwall for shelter. And... So, one of the, Brother Alf is patrolling the wall, and he sees something moving out at the edge of the woods, and um, they call Matthias up to go look at it, and they notice it's Ambrose Spike, and he's injured, and you know, they should go and help him, but they're concerned they might have a trap. Um, so what they do is they... Um, decide to send they and Constance Badger they decide to send the moles down to investigate go rescue him yeah and um, this is the first you see of how the moles are expert diggers tunnelers I don't mean just like how actual moles are they're you know shoring and preventing caves and yeah expert engineering and fast with it and So yeah, the the four mole, the the leader of moles. Um, he and some of his small crew, they go down and um, they actually very quickly, unrealistically quickly, dig a tunnel from inside the abbey grounds to where Ambrose Spike is, with full, you know, cave-in prevention and. Um, and what they have buttresses and things like. Oh, no, they they do things like. Um, put up, you know, wooden supports to keep it from caving in. Now, I'm no mole engineer myself, so I don't know what all is actually needed to yeah. do this operation safely, but yeah. they do it, and they get under Ambrose Spike and um, bring him down the tunnel with him and get him into the abbey grounds. And once they get Ambrose rescued, um, well, they they see to his injury, which is a long, jagged um, cut all the way from on his face to pretty far down his forearm, his front leg, however you want to think of it in Redwall universe. Sorry about the dog interruption. Continue. 
And so they're treating that with an herb poultice, which seems to be the Abbey way with most injuries. Yeah. With sometimes semi-medical accuracy as to what herbs they use. Yeah, does he ever go into details on that? Um, not this time, but yeah, he does. I know and, he does in other times. I just know if he did this time. And not that I would recommend anybody take medical advice from Redwall, but it's it often is it could be. pretty semi-accurate as to what the different herbs are meant for. It's not as bad as, um, like, it could be, where it's like, yeah, just put some hemlock on that or something like that. Like, yeah, the like, they like to use yarrow, which has been historically used on wounds and does have some clotting properties. Um, I've actually used it myself on very minor cuts that are nowhere near the kind of injuries that Redwall is using it for, but... um, So, yeah, they're... They're putting herb poultice on him and... um, he comes to, and of course, because he's Ambrose Spike, he's like, yeah, give me beer. Nut brown ale from last October. Ah, oh, last for October? medicinal purposes. Of course. And, um, yeah, he, he gives the report on how his trip went up until then. Um, he gave as many animals warning as he could, and when he got to the Vols, um, their son, Colin Vol, freaked out and went, you know, yelling everywhere, and that attracted the rats, and they captured the Vols. They stabbed at Ambrose with a piece of broken churchyard railing. Yeah. And... He curled up so the rats wouldn't do anything else to him. Um, you know, an accurate hedgehog behavior that um, isn't something that Brian Jakes really keeps a long time. Yes, this is actual hedgehog behavior. This is something that hedgehog... And, like, um, yeah, it is not easy to... to pick up a hedgehog that's all curled up and... Um, I have... I have handled curled up hedgehogs. It's very sharp. It hurts. Um, but the further you get along in the Redwall books, the less normal defenses that the animals would have come into actual use. Yeah. They're treated more like people. Uh, the rat's leaving because he's curled up and um, he you know, goes as far as he can before he passes out within you know sight of the abbey and is like, yeah, I need more ale. Uh, okay, he's injured, but Ambrose does uh, drink so often that it's yeah, it's just part of his it's, personality. Yeah, it's part of his personality. He's he's the cellar hog. He makes the ale. He drinks it. Yep. And we have this whole dispute as to what October. Well, they mentioned what October ale is. Um, yeah. Audience, but yeah it's... So, October Ale. I mean, it's obviously beer. Yeah. But in the Redwall Cookbook, which I'll make an episode about someday, you know, they try to keep it dipping friendly for the, the kids. So it's grape juice and uh, ginger ale and sugar mixed. 
or ginger beer. Like this, it's a sugar bomb with no alcoholic content. But later in the book series, um, there's a song that has the recipe for October Ale, and it is very obviously a true ale. Um, I'll cover that later in the series when we get to it, but anyway. So, the Vols are captured. They're going to, you know, possibly be killed or enslaved because they're captured, so they gotta work out some kind of a another rescue party to save them. And Constance is like, Matthias, you're not going to be able to do it. You're just going to get yourself captured. That's not going to help the Vols. Nope, it won't. It's just going to be captured, and that's... Yeah, if they capture him, then it's game over. So, And he goes and uh, stands in front of the tapestry of Martin the Warrior as... You know, many Redwall characters do when they're feeling lost or emo or, you know, something on their minds. And yes, Martin, what he would have done. And uh, you would have gone over and picked up your sword and fought the rats to get the voles back. But I'm just Matthias. I don't have a magic sword. I've got the advice of my elders and betters. Although, really, Matthias has pretty much taken a lot of charge for somebody who's allegedly still under the advice of... Yeah, he's still... What now? He's still, um... He's, like, about 13 seasons, and he's being treated as pretty much almost on an equal level with all the adults there at this point. he's pretty much being treated as an adult. Yeah. And... Um, at this point, um, he's starting to cry a bit about the situation and Cornflower shows up and Matthias is horribly embarrassed that the mouse that he has a bit of a crush on just walked in on him crying. Yeah, what, what is Brian Jakes? Is he just like with the, the same as the cartoon where they're just very subtle about the romance the whole time? Oh uh, Cornflower and Matthias? They're not that subtle about it. I mean, it's... I it's, think Martin and It's Rose very, is you know... That's a whole different thing. But. It's very innocent and, you know, treats them like they really are, you know, still young. But they they both act like they got some kind of a, a crush on each other, but they don't act like a couple. Mm-hmm. And, of course, so a lot like of... So it's like the TV show, then, basically. <laughs> A lot of, oh, Cornflower is so pretty um, comments from various characters to, you You're know. You're so pretty, randomly. Yeah. So, uh, Cornflower is here, and um, Matthias is horribly embarrassed, as I said. And Cornflower says to him that he shouldn't be ashamed. It's right to cry. It just shows that he is a good person, well, mouse, so to speak. And not like, you know, Clooney, you know, without any heart. And um, she can see the courage and leadership in him. See, sometimes it's not subtle. And he has the sign of greatness upon him. And one day Redwall and all the land will be indebted to Matthias. And she unties her headband 
and gives it to him as her maiden's colors for a champion warrior. Oh, that's okay. not subtle. Yeah, no, that's that's very straightforward, and that's. And she ties it right onto his arm, and it's oh, got. Okay. Um, so it's really. Don't get me wrong. That's nice and romantic. That's just sort of a classic, milady type romance. And her headband is pale yellow bordered with cornflower patterns on it. Mm, okay. Once again, very not subtle. But yeah, it still doesn't really get the Martin Rose treatment. But it's a thing. And that's the end of that chapter. On to chapter 12. Um, the church... Um, has Clooney sitting in the wreckage of the pulpit, and there's burst hassocks, so I guess that's, um, that's footstools, right? Yeah. I don't think that the impression is supposed to be that Clooney and the rats wrecked the church. I think it, um, had just gotten kind of fallen apart and decrepit before the rats came. They haven't fully, fully established that this is not in the human world yet, and I think this is one of those things where maybe Brian intended this as an abandoned church and um, before it was later retconned. Yeah. You know, first the church mice live in the abandoned church and then the rats take it. Of course. And, you know, Clooney standing in the pulpit like that. Um that has a certain imagery, like a the twisting of a minister. Um, oh, okay. And he calls for Shadow to be brought to him. So the two of his, you know, cronies go off and they get Shadow and bring him, and Shadow is described as nobody is sure if he was a rat or a weasel or both, or even a bit of both, and he'd been with Clooney for many years. And that's one of those things that makes me go, what do you mean you don't know what it is? Because there's a million different things between a rat and a weasel. And a rat and a weasel look nothing like each other, and... They can't hybridize. No, they cannot hybridize, and our red wall gets a little weird with this sometimes. I'd be like a human and a weasel hybridizing. Yeah, it's not possible. I mean, it's a fantasy world, but... Which, granted, you know, that's... Yeah. I find myself having an easier time accepting that it's full of talking animals than um, rat-weasel hybrids being a possible thing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just one of those things that makes me uh, sit up and go, wait a minute. But... So... I know a lot of people don't know the difference. A lot of people be like, oh, they're, you know, weird scrawny looking things with skinny tails that's surely the same and they're both classified as vermin with full uh, air hooks here yeah yeah described as very lithe and wiry with a long sinewy body sinewy brian jakes loved that word yep it me off guard the first time covered with in sleek black fur and no hint of any other color and um, black eyes with no brightness and the eyes of a dead thing. So I think the eyes are like 
dull and um, detached. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, not flat. I, however, you'd put that, and Clooney is having a hard time seeing him in the darkness of the church. Yeah. And Shadow says, Clooney, I am here. Why do you want Shadow? You know, he speaks in the third person. Yeah, that that's one thing. That's a thing. And Clooney asks him if he can climb the walls of the abbey. And Shadow says, no beast can climb those walls. And Clooney's like, except you, except me. You see where this is going? Yep. And he gives um, Shadow instructions to scale the wall of the abbey, get inside as quietly as possible, and just take the picture of Martin the Warrior from the tapestry by whatever means he can. Not do anything else, not make noise, just take the picture and come back and bring it. And they're confused about that. Clooney hadn't been known to collect pictures. And Clooney explains that, you know, the reason he wants this is because he's a a symbol of hope to the Abbey. The mice love him. Uh, Martin the warrior is... Um, he is like their uh, messiah figure, basically. Yeah, I have the chapter in front of me. Yeah, this is the part where there he say, where Clooney says that Martin is some sort of angel and Clooney is the opposite. Yeah. Um, they kind of drop the overt real-world religious imagery after the first book, but it's here. Um... And, you know, Clooney's like, you bring this back to me, and if you fail me, your screams are going to be heard very far. Yeah. Because that's how Clooney treats his... That's how he treats all of his underlings. Yeah. That's just how Clooney works. He's a ruthless guy, and he rules entirely through fear, nothing really else, from what I understand. I mean, that's how uh, it was in the show. With with some of... He has a reputation that some rats, you know, want in on that... You know, it's it's Clooney's fearsome horde. I want to be part of Clooney's fearsome horde too. I'm gonna to join. Um, so that chapter ends, and chapter thirteen. Ambrose is um, feeling better, and he's in his storeroom looking through all of his preserved berries, and um, which he has many of. Yeah, and the the other mice and creatures are bringing in crops and supplies, expecting a siege. And, oh, this is... This is something I should take note of. Ambrose does not have the key to the cellar. So it's not really truly his his yet, I don't think, yet in the series. Brother Edmund and Far Hugo have the two keys. And so there's Ambrose with beer on the mind and 
wine because it's Ambrose. And um, Matthias and Constance are training the woodlanders in weapon use. Keeping in mind, Matthias doesn't actually know how to do this. So why are they having him train? Constance... I don't know what life she had before the Abbey. Later on in the series, Badgers have very much warrior stuff in their whole culture, so to speak. It's not a stretch that Constance might be an expert in a bit of weaponry use, but Matthias... That's a little less believable, but they're doing it, and um, otters are training with slings and pebbles, and field mice are using thistle-down shafts for longbows, which would not do. Yeah, that doesn't sound like that would actually work. And later in the series, the arrows are treated like they're proper arrows, but they got thistle-down shafts, nice and tiny mouse-themed. Of course they did. And yes, but it, this gets interesting. They have um, the formal and his crew are digging a trench, and they're being helped by a beaver. Um, this is a bit of a lesser known wildlife. I was going to say, now how often do beavers actually come up in Redwall? In this book, and never again. Okay, well there you go. And. Yeah, there is a European species of beaver, and I don't think a lot of um, Americans know about this. Yeah. Oh, Bill, would you say it's similar to the American beaver? How close? Oh, gee. You're going to ask me that. Um, I honestly don't remember what the difference is, if there is any. Um, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna cheat and look it up. Go ahead. Eurasian beaver. Aren't they oh, like a tad different. smaller? I think so. I. I vaguely remember reading about them existing in, like, one other place before encountering it in the Redwall books. <laughs> Sorry, this specific Redwall book where the beaver comes up and is... never turns up in any other book in the series again. Differences from European beaver... Oh, no, the North American version's larger. Or smaller. Smaller? Yeah. Well, I knew one of them was bigger and one was smaller. I just didn't remember which one. And honestly, like, yeah. I, I mean, I don't right know enough about mammals, but, yeah. You know, I think it's cool ones. Brian put it in. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know why he didn't just keep using beavers. Like, I'd use them more than once, but, you know, that's just me. And the mice are mentioned as not being used to competing in any type of violent sport and that they're awkward and timid and they had the choice of 
either learning cudgel and wrestling with Constance Badger or quarterstaff with Matthias, and all the mice picked quarterstaff yeah, with Matthias. Yeah, because, because of course they did. That makes more sense. If you're a mouse, you want to wrestle a badger? Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the mice um, actually gives Matthias a really hard hit with the quarterstaff after Matthias told him to, and Matthias is, like, knocked onto his tail, and um, Constance is like, yeah, I'm going to recruit this one to my team. Um, he shows I, promise. And he was probably like, no, no, I'm sorry, Matthias. I... He didn't say that, but... Just shows her <laughs> slingshotting the, the mouse later. Um... And Matthias is wishing that he had real weapons that you could actually kill rats with, swords and daggers. And Constance reminds him that they're there to defend, not attack or kill. And Matthias is like, yeah, how far is that going to get with Clooney and his horde? That's kind of a recurring thing in this book. And... Uh, Matthias sees Cornflower again and shows, pulls up his sleeve to show off the headscarf and says, look, Cornflower, very close friend, gave me this last night. That's what their uh, relationship is like. Uh, Matthias, he goes off, he finds Methuselah. And yeah, they sit down and eat lunch together and Matthias asks him where Martin the Warrior is buried. And Methuselah's like, Oh, next you're gonna ask where the sword is And Methuselah is like, Yeah, the sword must be buried with Martin. You wouldn't be asking for to just know where his grave is because that's not going to help you. It's got to be about the sword. Of course. And he has indeed looked for many places and talked to different animals and even to bees about where it might be, but it's all been false trails. He never found it. And Matthias asks if it's only a fable. And Methuselah's kind of indignant about that. And, yeah. yeah. Methuselah tells Matthias that he treated a sparrowhawk for a pulled sinew where um, she couldn't use her talons properly. And part of treating her was make making her promise that she would never take a mouse's prey. Yeah. And she told him about the sparrows, which she called winged mice, stole something that was a treasure that belonged to the mice from the abbey. Oh, the implication that it, it could be the sword. And... Yeah, very well could be. 
Methuselah says he never asked the sparrows about it. He's too old, and the sparrows are um, fierce, quarrelsome, warlike birds, and he can't climb up to the roof where they live. And he's not even sure whether the sparrowhawk was telling the truth because some birds can be dreadful liars. Mm-hmm. And um, with that, they they fall asleep in... Actually, no, not Matthias. Just Methuselah falls asleep because, you know, the sun is warm in the orchard. And with that, um, chapter 13 is done. Yeah. And chapter 14... Two huge rats and a dark shadowy something, which I'm sure we all know is Shadow. The rat yeah, weasel, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah the, the, the guy that we're not sure what he is. But he's... And the frog is watching them sneak by while he's in the ditch. Now, what's the deal with frogs exactly? Because they seem to be not quite sentient, but... Frogs aren't really treated as sapient. They're just yeah. like animals. Yeah. Toads get... A bit more... They get more of, like... Uh, they're treated as they're very primitive, but yeah. technically sapient. Yeah. Um, so this... Uh, some interesting frog is just there. watching them, and he doesn't want the rats to see him, because the rats might eat him. Yeah. But, you know, whatever they're doing is none of his business. He lets them pass. Of course. And this frog is never mentioned again. Of course. He's just there. And, uh... The two rats are Clooney and Raggier... And it is Shadow with them. And Shadow has brought a pouch with a grappling hook, some oil, lockpicks, and a dagger, which are his uh, burgling kit. Of course. Class Rogue. If you want to go D&D with this. Yeah. Well, there's a few of those. (laughs) And... Yeah, Clooney's trying to keep things pretty quiet, and Ragier is nervous and making small talk. And, um... Yeah, Clooney goes off to check things out and informs them that the sentry mice are all asleep because they never had to do guard duty before. Which... Yeah... They haven't. Of course. Of course not. And Shadow starts climbing up the wall using his claws, which... Alright, a person would have have trouble with that, but I have seen mice climb some pretty straight up and down things that have a rough surface. It's not that far-fetched. Yeah. Um, I think of him as... Person capabilities or rat capabilities here, because in Redwall, how do you tell? But yeah, climbing straight up the wall is not treated as something a normal creature can just do. So Shadow is indeed supposed to be highly skilled. And he's climbing up the walls and um, grabbing onto little fissures in the stone. Gets to the top. Brother Edmund's there. He's asleep. Uh, once again, like a sinuous black lizard. Yeah, also weird animal comparison there. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like just like pointing out every time Brian uses the word sinuous or sinewy. Because I can't think of any author that uses it as much. Yeah. And, yeah, Fur here goes asleep and it's starting to drizzle a little and um, Shadow is a little concerned it might wake Far Hugo up because his, because, um, his hood has slipped off and the rain's getting on his face and he gets down to the abbey, I mean, Shadow, door to the great hall's not locked, he greases up the hinges so it won't make noise when he goes in, um, gets to the tapestry, Starts gnawing on it with his teeth. Um, another accurate rat-like behavior that is going to be pretty much dropped in later in the series. If a rat later in the series had done the same thing, it would have used a knife. Yeah. Um, Matthias is having a nightmare. He's asleep. He dreams that Martin is calling him. Matthias, you must come quickly. Um, so, yes, Martin is definitely attached to this tapestry in some way. And in this case, yeah, some way, somehow, the rat is actually taking Martin by taking the picture out of the middle of the tapestry. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a... I mean, this isn't the kind of fantasy that has soul jars in it, but... Yeah. Has what in it? You know, like, where the... the wizard or other magical character keeps, like, their... their soul in an object and it can... Be stolen. Yeah, okay, I've never heard it called that before. Is that, like, something people call it in these fandoms these days? I forget what fandom I heard that from, but, yeah, that's generally a villain thing, so I don't think Brian was going I've there. I've never heard the term soul jar before. That's... I I I've... Soldier for a second. Soul jar. Okay. I've seen that about, like, liches in D&D. Liches, uh, yeah. Liches, yeah. But I don't think Brian was going for that at all. Um, Matthias is heading for the tapestry to find out what's going on. He's running. He falls over, goes sprawling. He sees that Martin is moving. It's not the breeze. No, something is moving it. Um, He still can't see Shadow. Um, sees that a rat has it, and at this point, yeah, Matthias is shouting and giving chase after the rat, and, um, grabs at it, but the rat's bigger than him, so it, um, yeah, it ends up with Matthias getting some minor injuries from the scratches, and not keeping hold of the tapestry or the rat and 
Um, and then getting away. It gets, yeah, Shadow gets away, but um, before he gets away, he, Mr. Fieldmouse tries to stop him too, and Shadow stabs him. Um, not in a location that kills him, so he's injured only, but, and, um, Constance is awake now, and, um, Shadow falls off of the top of the wall, hits the ground hard, he is fatally injured, but still alive. Clooney just goes up, grabs the tapestry. Shadow asks Clooney to help. And Shadow, yeah, Clooney just kicks him and says, I don't carry cripples or bunglers. Leaves Shadow to die. Because that's Clooney. Yeah. And Ragir just takes off running into the woods. Ragir being the the nervous hench rat that had gone with them. And Matthias comes out to check Shadow for the tapestry. And as Shadow is dying, he says, Too late, Mouse. Martin is with Clooney now. And then he just dies. Yeah. He just ran, and that's all there is to him. End of chapter never, 14. We never, we never know what he even is. Nope. Chapter 15. Um, the abbot is scolding his guards for sleeping at their posts. He's stressed and angry at the loss of the um, the Martin the Warrior tapestry. And the rosebuds on the late rose bush have shriveled. See, there's some, there's some kind of magic going with it as much as Brian... Wasn't one to put magic in the series. Um, he's left Redwall. We are forsaken. There will be hard and sorrowful days to come without him among us. And Matthias comes with good news that Mr. Fieldmouse is out of danger. He will live from his stab injuries. And Matthias's face is all uh, swollen up from scratches from Shadow's claws. Which, you know, once again, that's painful but not serious injury. And um, we at Redwall are a, a tough lot to kill off. They couldn't even finish Ambrose Spike. Um, so they're trying to take some... They're trying to hearten themselves up after uh, the tapestry loss. And, you know, get some encouragement. Of course. And Cornflower says to Matthias that he should go and lie down because of his scratches. And it, instead of going and lying down... Matthias takes the thief kit pouch that he took from Shadow because he apparently kept it 
takes the dagger and the climbing rope and goes off to look for Clooney's headquarters. Sneaks out of the abbey because no one would have actually let him go. Past the sentries and heads off in the direction of the St. Ninian Church. And with that, chapter 15 is done. And that's as far as we're going to go in this episode. Yeah, very short chapters. Two pages on that one. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Not two, but... Four. Four pages. Now, you have any other commentary on this, Bill? Well... I find that whole thing, uh, I, th- I still can't get over the fact that there's this guy, we don't know what he is, um, but I think that's a really cool setup that, uh, they have going for, uh, Matthias to, uh, go after Clooney. And, as much as Redwall is overall not a series with so much in the way of magic and supernatural powers, it kind of does, and most of it is connected with that tapestry. In some way, Martin's spirit is attached to it. I mean, yeah, I made these comparisons with the lich stuff, but it wouldn't have been like that. It's just not that kind of book. But um, there's also never any explanation as to why. it As to why his spirit is attached to the tapestry or even to the abbey and there have been many brave warriors but and there's gonna be some um, other things in later books with certain other locations but and um, the mention of the sparrows and yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. We're going to get to that at some point. Maybe I will uh, come back for that one. Yeah. I guess that wraps things up. And thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire podcast. Um, good night and come listen to us again next week. Look forward to making another episode for you guys and signing off now. Bye.